when two Division I athletes discuss the challenges and successes of navigating life after competing, you get conversations designed by athletes for athletes. I'm Don Sutton. And I'm Brooke Beerhouse, sharing with the athletic community stories and insights to better understand life when your sport ends. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on where this episode has found you. I'm Brooke Beerhouse, a documentary filmmaker, visual storyteller, and your co-host of When Your Sport Ends, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? I am recording solo in the studio today for this introduction of a great episode with a special guest that joins Don and myself for a discussion about finding the right team in life, and in particular, the right team when it comes to recruitment visits. We will get into that in just a little bit, but I want to take a moment to talk about these last few months. I feel like the last few months have been heavy and difficult for so many of us, and I want to thank you for listening and supporting the stories that we share on this podcast. Every person in the world has been impacted in one way or another from the coronavirus pandemic. And what we all consider the normal has forever changed. In the spirit of embracing change and this new normal, I want to share a heartfelt moment that happened to me today at the blood donation uh, center. I went to the blood donation truck and if Any of my former University of Iowa cross-country and track teammates are surprised to hear I was donating blood. I was surprised too. Female distance runners are notorious for having low iron levels and anemia, so we pretty much can never donate. But quarantine forced me to increase my iron, nutrient-dense foods, so yes, I donated blood. It's a minor deal for most people, but it's a pretty big deal for me. At the blood donation center, I was able to have this beautiful interaction with an elderly gentleman that I do want to share with you today to give you a little bit of good news on humanity and human interactions. There was a older gentleman about 10 feet across from me donating blood. I said I could wait till he finished in case he was uncomfortable with someone else in the blood van, but we all had masks on, he was 10 feet away, and he said he was happy to have company and not to worry. So as you may have noticed, I have no problem talking, and neither did this gentleman. It was about 10 minutes worth of us sharing and talking back and forth while we were getting our blood drawn. He shared with me that his wife was an ER nurse for about 20 years before she started working in a private practice, and how because of that, she always told him to donate blood since he's O negative, which is the blood type that can give to anyone. This conversation itself was a typical conversation with a stranger being proud of his wife, and I always love those, but there's something that happened afterwards that really stuck with me. And that was him waiting outside for a few minutes for me to finish up because he was in there before me. He told me that his wife had passed away three months ago, not from COVID, but from a heart attack. And I was surprised to hear that because the whole time he talked to me, he used present tense when he was talking about her. And so he may have seen that I was surprised, but he explained himself a little bit further and just said that 
He wanted to thank me for letting him talk about her as if she was still alive today. He said it felt really good to pretend that she was there even if it was just for a few moments. And that just reminded me the power of listening and how that's so special. And I wanted to make sure that I thanked all of you for listening and taking time to listen to us, Don and I's stories, to our guests. This is a really difficult time, as I said before, but it's also a really powerful time in the sense that we are giving each other more time and space to share our experiences and our stories. So thank you so much for all of your time that you've put into listening to our guests and, you know, in the spirit of great conversations, our guest this week is a wonderful, insightful human being. He is a former Missouri Valley college lacrosse player, journalist, and host of the podcast Believe in Lacrosse. Jake Berg is a part of our Believe team, and Jake plays lacrosse in the Interstate Box Lacrosse Association, so we get to hear about his thought process after his collegiate career ended and why he felt like he wasn't done competing in lacrosse. It's really interesting because he actually took a full year off before deciding that he wanted to train and compete in the box league, which for any of you like me who did not know exactly what box is, it is indoor lacrosse. It's a fun, really fun conversation about connecting with the right team during a recruitment visit, the benefits of going to a smaller school where the majority of the student body is an athlete, what life looks like for Jake now, and hopefully you'll learn a little bit about lacrosse because I know I did. Don't forget to rate and review if you like or you love this podcast. All right, let's get into talking with Jake. It's really interesting just hearing all of the different, well, work and then like hats that you wear pretty much, um, which is funny because that's what we found across the board with a lot of our for, like guests and athletes and especially student athletes. So many people, we, we juggle so much. And, um, you know, I'm wondering if, if you think that being a student athlete helped get you ready for being a journalist and a coach and uh, like semi-pro lacrosse. I mean, that's, that's a lot of time commitment in different areas. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, time management is a big one. Like um, going to school, going to practices, workouts, film, um, traveling for games uh, and having to fit in, you know, <clears throat> doing homework and then social life, of course, and all that. Um, so time management was definitely a big one that I learned uh, quickly. And um, I don't know, I just think it, it gave me a lot of opportunities being a student athlete, especially going to the school I went to is a really small school in the middle of Missouri, Missouri Valley College. And um, we had about, I don't think we ever had more than 2000 students on campus the whole five years I was there. Oh, and, wow. And uh, we had like, I don't know. It was really diverse. I think it was like 20 or 30% um, out of country students too. That's cool. Yeah. We had, it was very. In Missouri State Valley. Valley. Missouri Valley College. 
little school in Marshall, Missouri, little NAI college. Yeah. So it was, it's a big um, sports school. So, I mean, I want to say probably 80 to 85% of the students there are athletes too. So like, and when I, on my lacrosse team, I think my first year we had maybe two kids from Missouri on the team and everybody else was from, I mean, everywhere. We had um, a bunch of guys from Canada. We had got a bunch of guys from Maryland, uh, Oregon, Washington, some California guys, um, Minnesota, Illinois. Yeah, I mean, we had guys from everywhere. So that was really cool. So now I have, um, and that's another thing. I, I it, It's a lot of networking. So yeah, yeah, I have friends who are doing, you know, I have a buddy who has a business in Maryland right now. And um, <clears throat> I have another buddy who's down in, or he's in Illinois, you know, he's about to be a doctor and he's possibly going to move out here to do that. And so, you know, there's just a lot of connections, I guess I made throughout this. That's so interesting. You, you had mentioned the a student body was roughly 80% athlete. I know what a That's cool community. Such a, I, I mean, coming from a bigger school mm-hmm. where maybe, I don't know, 4% of the student bodies athletes. Yeah. It's just crazy to me. Did you ever feel like, uh, I don't know, just at home most of the time when we're, I guess we're classes tailored more towards, um, uh, athletics yeah it was really from a time management or yeah like a lot of the professors would definitely like most of them would work with you because they all knew that you were an athlete so Mm -hmm. i mean there was a lot of times where you could take tests late or if you overslept because you had a late practice and then you had a early morning workout and then you missed your class at noon because you were taking a nap you know sometimes teachers will let that slide so that was really cool um, it was, yeah, you know, it was, I don't know. It was, uh, it was just a really good experience, I guess. Cause we also had like, I guess my, um, like going throughout the, the journalism program, it was really easy to, uh, write stories, I guess, because there was always, yeah, always sports going on, always games. So that was really cool. Uh, we had a really good journalism program there too. And by the end of my fifth year, I think I had like six people in my class. Like that was the, one of my biggest classes was six students. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's so unique. By the end of it, it was my advisor was my teacher. I think for my last two semesters, I think he was probably 80% of my uh, classes professor. If that makes oh my sense. Gosh. Yeah. No, it so, does. That's yeah. really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a good guy. I don't know a lot about lacrosse, and I'm curious about high school. Whenever, I mean, does Washington have, was lacrosse a high school sanctioned sport, or was it a club sport that you would go and like you had to train um, outside of like the school sanctioned practices and everything? What was that like? Yeah, when I was in high school, it was club. So we had four different high schools play on my team. And uh, so that was pretty cool. And then I think, I don't know if it's sanctioned now, but it's a lot more um, 
split up by high school now. Like the team I played on now is just the one high school. It's not the four anymore. I don't think it's technically sanctioned in Washington yet. It might be, but I don't, okay. I don't know for sure. Well, it's interesting. I'm just hearing you talk about that, how the high schools have even been, it's been growing more in popularity. Um, Donna just read, what did you, was it an article about it being the second? It was like the third, or I think it was the third fastest growing in popularity. Yeah, um, In the United States or in, in the, the world? In the United States. Yeah. So. sport. I just thought that was really interesting. I mean, have you seen a growth in that since you started playing lacrosse as a, a child and everything? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I started, I think I was in fourth grade when I started and we had three teams in the area, including mine. So we would play like Jeez. a whole 10 game season, but we would just play the same two teams, just flip flop, <laughs> just take turns. It was um. so that was... My first couple of years, it was like that. And then gradually, more and more teams started opening up. More and more select programs, honestly, is what um, was the biggest boom. All these summer programs, all these travel teams. That's uh, Unfortunately, that's kind of where all the, the high school kids' heads are at because that's how you get um, college looks. You get on these select right. teams. You go to the um, East Coast. You play, you play down in California up in Canada sometimes. So those it's unfortunate that a lot of times like the best players will send, spend all their time on these select teams rather than their high school teams. But at the same time, it's hard to blame a kid who's trying to go play somewhere and it's hard to get looks from uh, your high school, especially just being in Washington. Yeah. So being the uh, reporter you are nowadays, have you seen, the growth and do you anticipate on maybe starting a blog or something along those lines to discuss this topics? Yeah, I've actually looked into that quite a bit. Um, that's, that's mainly the reason why I'd started the podcast with belief. I wanted to kind of talk about that kind of stuff and just talk about lacrosse in general, but um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I uh, hopefully, because now it's grown so much um, local, uh, like internet um, sports, like high school, they like stream them on. And so now they're starting to stream high school lacrosse games on uh, websites wow. locally. So hopefully I can get into broadcasting those games. That would be pretty cool if I wasn't coaching. But yeah, absolutely. That would, it's that definitely would really growing. Cool. It's, it's, um, it's exploding in growth for sure. More and more kids are starting to play and, you see more and more lacrosse goals in kids' yards, and uh, it's really it's really cool to see. Especially growing up, um, no one knew what lacrosse was at my school. Like people were like, "What?" Like I'd say I'm a lacrosse player, and they wouldn't even know what sport that was. So, from going from that to where it is now in Washington, it's really cool to see. So, what ages are you are you coaching right now? Right now, I am high school kids, but uh, like freshmen, sophomores. Um, but, uh, I started right when I graduated high school, I started, um, with the young guys. So like the third and fourth grade, little bobblehead guys running around, <laughs> running around with these big helmets can barely hold them up. But, uh, yeah. so that was fun. I was just, I mean, I was an 18 year old kid trying to figure out how to coach and these kids were trying to figure out how to play lacrosse. So it was kind of funny to, uh, 
that's it was a stressful that season, but uh, I figured it out. Yeah, I was gonna say it was fun because I worked. I uh, I I moved up with this group of kids for like four years, and now they're like seniors in high school. So it's cool to watch them um, play. And now I'm coaching some of their younger brothers, so that's cool too. Oh, I like that the family dynamic. Have you noticed a change in style as you play personally as well, as far as your uh, coaching style or has that, has coaching changed the way you play and approach your coach now? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, even when I started coaching, um, it was really cause I was coaching while I was playing in college too. When I was at home for the summers, I was coaching. So it was really nice to, cause you see things differently. Cause like you'll, you'll yell at a kid for something and you're like, oh wow. I heard that like 30 times from my coach this season. Now I know what, so you, you kind of (laughs) see things from a different angle and uh, it opens your eyes to more. And it was really um, fortunate for me to be able to work with other coaches who were well versed, I guess, in all things, defense, offense. So I learned things from them and I, pick that up and put it, apply it to my own game and apply it to my own coaching style. So, yeah, I mean, I think it helped me out a lot. That's neat. So this is getting a little bit um, like backtracking a little bit, but our, of course, the title of the podcast, when your sport ends, we're all about uh, when that transition period. And so you are a little bit different. You're one of the first guests that we've had where you are playing and um, training still. And you mentioned before about that that year, your fifth year, and how that was really a vital point in you deciding to continue playing. And you had that, I would call it almost a reset period. And I'd like to just kind of jump back into that. If we could talk a little bit more about I don't know how you dealt with the initial downtime because it sounds like you, it wasn't as nice um, as you were hoping with the, like, you know, not having your sport and not going to practices. And instead of it being a weight off your shoulders, it sounded like you really missed it. And so I, I think it would be interesting for our listeners who maybe they're in the midst of thinking about, um, quitting, or maybe they're thinking about sticking it out, or maybe there's some who want to keep on training after or get back into it or get back into it. Yeah. I think this would be a really interesting part to jump into with you. Yeah, of course. I actually have another, um, kind of interesting story about quitting too. We can get to after this, but, uh, okay, great. Uh, so yeah, I was definitely that first semester, my fifth year, um, when it was fall. So like lacrosse is a spring sport. So our fall season um, for lacrosse is full of a lot of workouts and conditioning and mostly practices, Mm -hmm. very little games. If I think we, we normally had like maybe six to 10 games maybe in the fall and those were pretty spread out. And, um, So it was just a lot of practices, a lot of grinding. So I didn't necessarily miss that part. (laughs) Once that was, (laughs) once that was, and I had a roommate, (laughs) I had roommate who was still on the team at the time too, that fifth year. So I didn't really miss. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he was, and I'd watch him get ready for practice. He'd be gone on road trips and stuff. So um, that was 
not too bad in the fall. But then in the spring, when they when games really started to pick up and they went on like spring break trip and um, started playing real games and uh, <clears throat> was always gone. I was like, wow, okay. I miss hanging out with the boys. I miss the bus rides. I miss the hotels, you know, the things you didn't think you would miss. Those are the things you miss the most. Like, <laughs> like even the other day I was thinking like, I can't remember. Like, I was like, I miss like going to a practice. Like I miss like having the conversations at practice. Like, yeah. Like, and you never thought that you would miss that. Like, but <laughs> here I am, not even, you know, a couple of years later, I'm still missing it. I think we all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, so actually, when I was a senior in high school, I had just gotten done with football and I didn't think I was going to go play lacrosse anywhere. And I just wanted to enjoy senior year and, I was actually going to quit lacrosse because I was like, you know, my sophomore year, we went undefeated and won a state championship. And then we moved up a division and then we didn't, we won one game that whole year, my junior year. So I was like, okay. Yeah. I was like, we just went from the top to the very bottom. I was like, I've done enough. I was like, I just want to enjoy senior year. I don't want to deal with any more of that. So I was actually talking to my friends about that in one of my classes and the teacher was uh, the baseball coach and my friends are baseball players. And he was like, Hey, I'll, uh, he goes, you just show up to tryouts. He goes, I'll put you on the team as like a pinch runner or pitch runner, whatever <laughs> it is. I don't even know what it's called. Yeah, Just running the bases. Um, he's like, I know you're fast. All you have to do is run the bases. He goes, maybe the middle of the year, we'll throw you in the outfield. Who knows? I was like, Hey, cool. I was like, Hey, I'm down. I'm going to sit, sit in the dugout with my buddies. Like sounds fun. And then about two weeks later, I get a phone call from my college coach. And he was like, hey, I want to offer you. Um, He saw me on, he was looking at this other kid's film who was on my high school team. And then he saw me on his film. And he was like, (laughs) I I want, he's like, "Uh, I want to offer you a scholarship, whatever. Um, Would you like come out for a recruiting trip? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was still at the time wasn't like dead set on playing. Like, I was like, I'll go see. I mean, this is the middle of Missouri. Like, who knows? Interesting. I was like, who really knows what this is going to be like? So we go on this recruiting trip, and uh, it's, like, in December. So it's freezing in Missouri. Like, it's <laughs> late. Probably, I think it was, no, it was, like, early, mid-December. Anyways, uh, so we land at the airport, and it's in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. And it's, like, an hour and a half drive from Kansas to Missouri Valley College from the airport there. So we're driving there. I'm looking at my parents. I was like, there's no way. I was like, this is just flat. This is just soybeans and corn as far <laughs> as the eye can see. I'm not doing this. And we get there and it's late at night. Like it's like nine o'clock at night. I'm getting a campus tour. And like, after oh, we man. get the tour, my coach is on the phone with guys on the team. Cause I was going to stay with them. And, uh, my, I was looking at my parents. I was like, this is not it. Like, I was like, I'm glad we came out here to look at it. I was like, but this is not it. They're like, all right, we'll just have fun tonight. Like, whatever. And so um, I hung out with the guys and immediately just meshed with them. Like, I just clicked with them. And it was a bunch of guys from uh, Geneva, Illinois. Uh, It's like a suburb of Chicago. And uh, so it was a bunch of those. And they were all from the same high school. And they were all living in this, like, apartment. And immediately I just clicked with all of them. 
And uh, within like 20 minutes of being there, I texted my dad. I was like, I'm probably going to sign tomorrow. And, oh the my ne- gosh. and the next day I ended up signing. Yeah. I love that yeah. so much because I feel like a lot of people feel that way when they go to Iowa. It's like all cornfields and yeah. the fly in to Iowa City, you have to drive no matter what and you just see flat everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I've that's played so out funny. in Iowa a couple games. We've had to. Oh, did you? There, yeah. Like, yeah. The yeah. campus is cool though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once you get there. Yeah. Have you found uh, a community outside of the team that you're on right now that kind of allows you to feel that way too now, like just outside of sports? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely have like my group of friends, um, both uh, in my hometown from high school that I'm close with. And then also my uh, I'm still really close with all the guys on my team. I actually see one of them quite a bit one of my friends actually i went to high school with and me and him went out there together so oh cool yeah that's the guy from the game film the film that the coach saw uh it might have been him but it might have been somebody else Uh, no my coach he was looking at a couple guys on my team but was not looking at me but then he found me (laughs) oh that's funny yeah yeah um yeah i think uh no it was uh it was definitely a good experience for sure i'm Glad I went on that recruiting trip because I was definitely going to not play lacrosse my senior year of high school. <laughs> so looking back on it, uh, we always like to ask uh, one last question, and that is if you could tell your college self something about uh, just word of advice, what would that be? <laughs> Probably uh, don't complain as much. <laughs> You'll, you're going to miss it later. So when you're running those sprints and, you know, uh, you probably need them and uh, stop complaining. That's probably what I'd say. I like it. Short I love it. Sweet. Yeah, stop <laughs> complaining. One of my favorite accessories when I'm traveling and working abroad is my Skyroam Solis. But lately, I haven't been traveling. Is that that orange puck you've been using on our road trips? Yes, that orange puck is actually a Wi-Fi hotspot. And it allows for me to get my work done and have Wi-Fi even when we're in some sketchy service area. The Skyroam Solis and Skyroam Accessories are all 20% off when you use the code ROAMWITHBROOK at skyroam.com. The link for that is in our bio, and it's also in the description of the podcast. All of our advertisers and the codes will be in the description on the podcast. 